This morning, we are going to be looking at Psalm 1. We were going to be starting our series in Ephesians, which will be taking us through the spring. We decided to push that back a week, and uh, we'll be hopping into the setting of Ephesus next week, and then working through the book of Ephesians for most of the spring and into the summer. But as we are gathered here today, we're going to focus our attention on Psalm 1, this psalm that draws our attention to the whole of the book of Psalms, and also is just a great encouragement and reminder as a reminder that we continually need to refocus ourselves on the Lord. So follow along with me as I read from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would help us to know the way of the righteous to know you, to find ourselves deeply rooted in you. And Lord, we pray that you would work that and work a yearning for your truth and your word more deeply into our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes his life. Paul Tripp put it this way. He said, there is no one, there, uh, the most important person that you talk to is you. Because no one talks to you more than you talk to you in the running dialogue inside your head. But whatever shapes a person's thinking is what shapes his life. There's this visible picture of this in the Lord of the Rings series with the character Gollum, who is after, these, after his precious ring. And he was at one point a normal person, but he became so consumed by his quest for this thing that was the one thing that consumed his mind, consumed his thoughts, that it began to shape his being, shape his, his very character, and indeed shaped his physical characteristics as well. You see that as a visible picture in this movie, but you also know it experientially. Maybe it was you or you know someone who was the child who did not want to grow up to be their mother or did not want to grow up to be their father. And so they thought of all the ways that they did not want to be like this person, all the ways that they did not want to have these characteristics, all the things that they were not going to do, but yet they found that the more that they thought about this person, what happened? The more they became like him. The more those characteristics became reflected in their life. And as Ken Sandy says, those who think much on Jesus will reflect much of Jesus in their life. Well, Psalm 1 gives us a very beautiful picture of what it is like to be fruitful and for have to, to be one for whom their life bears f- fruit and whose life is shaped as a follower of God. What we're going to do here is we're going to walk quickly through the psalm as a whole, and then we're going to focus in particular on what is the fruit that results from a life that is rooted in the Lord. We begin with by looking at the wicked and the contrast of the wicked in this passage. The psalm begins by saying, blessed is the man, and it gives three different characteristics. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The psalm begins by highlighting three different degrees of departure from a relationship with God. Accepting the advice of the wicked, being party to the ways of the wicked, and the worst one, which is belonging to a group of people who are wicked. Thinking, behaving, and belonging. Three areas where our fundamental allegiance and where our faith is expressed. Now, the way that this is characterized here, it says, walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This made a whole lot of sense to the ancient Hebrews, because where they would say, okay, walks, stands, sits. We would probably today characterize the same ideas slightly differently. We would probably say, blessed is the man who stands not in the counsel of the wicked, the one who doesn't listen to the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of sinners, and finally, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But the idea is still the same. Where is it? What are the things that shape your thinking, that shape your acting, and what is it that you find your sense of belonging in? Ultimately, the result is this. For the wicked, they are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff being the picture of everything that is completely worthless. Chaff being the outer shell of wheat after it dries, that the uh, winnowers in the Middle East would throw it in the air, and the things that are worthwhile would fall to the earth, the grain, and the chaff would blow away like dust. It is the picture of what is rootless, what is weightless, and ultimately what is useless. And it says that's what happens for those that align themselves with the wicked. But there is one picture in this passage, actually it continues the further description of what happens to them. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked perishes. Now in this psalm, the wicked are contrasted with the righteous. And there is one defining characteristic of the righteous. There is one thing that sets them apart from the wicked from thinking wickedly, but most importantly, from belonging to those who are wicked. And the one thing that sets the righteous apart from the wicked is a question that you should ask yourself. Is this what sets you apart? The one thing that sets the righteous apart from the wicked is this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The defining characteristic between the righteous and the wicked is those who meditate on the word of God. The psalmist then describes the fruit that results. Verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Certainly, the psalmist had in mind this picture of, in the Middle East, of uh, trees planted by streams of water in the desert. These places that were an oasis, that from miles away, the green could be seen because in the midst of the desert heat, there was a place of life and vitality. Indeed, certain seasons, there was a place of fruit, but a place of shelter. And you get this picture of this tree over here whose roots have gone deep into the water so that no matter what comes, 
no matter the heat, no matter the famine, no matter the season of life that comes, they are freed from crippling drought. The leaf does not wither, but continues to bear fruit in the midst of the heat and the struggles of life. And what happens is that as this tree is absorbing this rich water, not only does it not only bear, do its leaves not wither, but it bears fruit. It is prosperous. It bears fruit in the midst of the heat, in the midst of the drought. So the psalm here gives this very deliberate charge for us to meditate on the word of God, to meditate it on the day and night. That itself is the key and the secret of achieving anything that is worthwhile in life. So the command here is to meditate. What does that mean? Well, it's a word that's used of cud-chewing animals. Of animals that chew the cud, that they ruminate on it, that they chew on it, that they think about it, that it just kind of goes around and around and around and around, that they swallow it and... Spit it back up and chew on it some more. The word I'll hear also in this psalm that says those who meditate on a day at night, you get a helpful picture of that in Psalm 2, where Psalm 2 says this, Why do the nations rage and why do the peoples plot in vain? The word plotting there. And you think about wicked people who are scheming, who want to achieve their revenge. What do they do? It's that they think about it. They chew on it. They think about it from different angles. They come up with their scheme. Maybe it's going to work this time, but it is something that is always going on in the back of their mind, that they ponder it, that they mutter upon it, that, they are, that they growl their thoughts upon these things. And what the psalmist says is, blessed is the man, blessed is the person who meditates, who plots, who schemes on the word of God day and night. D.A. Carson, who has uh, written this great devotional guide, daily devotional guide, gives this comment about the value of the Word of God. Where one delights in the Word of God, constantly meditating on it, there one learns good counsel. There one's conduct is shaped by revelation. There one nurtures the grace of gratitude and praise. New Testament authors also focus on this. As Paul writes in Philippians that we saw, as we saw a couple weeks ago, thinking about anxiety. Paul says, how should you live your life? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think on these things. He's just reiterating what the psalmist says. Blessed is the man who meditates day and night that our thoughts would be focused and shaped by the Word of God so that the Word of God would bear fruit and become more expressed in our own lives. Indeed, this was the charge that Moses gave to the heads of households for themselves and for their whole families in Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Again, a reiteration of Psalm 1, to meditate on the word of God day and night. In a moment, we're going to look at 
several of the fruit that is born by meditating on the Word of God day and night and how Scripture speaks to this in so many ways. But a couple of very practical resources for you. If you're interested in starting to read through the Bible, to learn more about the Bible, um, I've got these. I wasn't able to print them out for this week, but I'll have them for next week. These are Bible reading plans. One of these is a chronological Bible reading plan so that you can read through the entire Bible in a year. It fits on a half-page piece, page sheet of a half sheet page of paper, so you can fit it inside your Bible, mark it off as you go through. Personal favorite one is called the McShane Daily Bible Reading Plan. This one goes through in a year. This is kind of the Bible reading plan a little bit on steroids. Um, but in a year or over two years, what it allows you to do is read through the Old Testament once, the Psalms and the New Testament twice. Part of the reason why I like this plan so much, this is kind of the default plan that I personally fall back on, is um, we also have a devotional guide. Um, there's a two-volume devotional guide out on our book table, and there is, you can, which if you want to buy it and you want the paper copy, that's fine. You can also get it emailed to you on a daily basis. This is really good. This is not a warm, fuzzy Bible study a devotional, um, but what it is is that it will, it will significantly increase your knowledge and understanding of Scripture. It'll increase your understanding of how the Bible fits together. What is this passage that, that doesn't really seem to relate to anything in your life? How does that relate to your life? Um, the machine reading plan and the devotional that goes with that is really helpful. If having paper is too much, I would also encourage you to go, with, to go on your smartphones and you can download the ESV, ESV Bible app. And when you download the ESV Bible app, what is helpful here is that they have about 15 different there are about a dozen different Bible reading plans that are incorporated into the app that you can go with. It includes the Chronological Bible, the McShane Bible reading plan, um, and several other ones that are integrated into the app. And if you just want to focus on one portion of Scripture a day, that's fine. But not only can you get, get it synced to you, not only can you get the chapters that you're supposed to read this day, but this also has an audio feature so that if you're driving in your car and your commute to and from work, you can hit play, and over the course of commuting to and from work over the next year, you can also follow along in terms of reading through it as opposed to listening to, I don't know, T-Bone and Heather or whoever it is that you listen to on your drive to and from, to and from work. So those are just several great resources. Also, if you are saying, you know what, I read my Bible, I don't get a whole lot out of it, it doesn't... I don't understand how to apply it to myself. Um, we would love to help you with that. Myself, any of our staff members, any of our elders, or anybody in our journey groups right now would love to be able to teach you how to get meaningful applications out of the Word of God. But as it is, again, the beginning of the year, and for those of you that have read the Bible before and have kind of gotten sloppy, this is just an urge to recommit yourself to re-engage in devoting yourself to the Word of God, to knowing the Word of God, and for your households to do so. Now, let's take a look at what fruit gets born through this that Scripture describes in several different ways. What is the fruit? We're going to look at five of them. The first fruit that comes from meditating on the Word of God is the fruit of wisdom. Indeed, Jesus said this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Is that through the word of God, through the words of Jesus Christ contained in scripture, is that 
you abide in Christ, and through that, that makes you fruitful and grows you in wisdom. Again, whatever shapes a person's thinking is what shapes his life. John Piper articulates the value of it this way. The way we commune with God, that is, the way that we fellowship with him, is by meditating on his attributes and expressing to him our thanks and admiration and love and seeking his help to live a life that reflects the values of these attributes. Therefore, storing texts in our minds about God helps us to relate to him as he really is. The word of God grows us in wisdom. Secondly, the word of God helps us bear fruit and bears the fruit of preparation. In particular, preparation for fighting against temptation and the devil. In fact, the word of God is the number one tool that God has given to us to fight temptation. Psalm 19, should be 9, says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Psalm 119.11 I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Scripture is the tool for resisting and battling sin. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, his defense was the word of God. I would imagine that if there is a better way to fight temptation, when Jesus was going head-to-head with the devil, he would have used it. But rather, he used the best tool that he had, which was the word of God, an encouragement to us to know God's word and own it in our soul so that we can fight against the devil. So as sin tempts us into thinking that whatever sin that we're wrestling with, it will give us what we want. By remembering the word of God, it calls to mind the good news of Scripture to fight against temptation. Not only does it bear fruit of wisdom and preparation, but it bears the fruit of strength. Psalm 119, verse 49 to 50. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Strength when you are under stress to give you confidence and comfort in the midst of affliction. There's a man by the name of Roger Ingolveson, who was a POW in North Vietnam for five years. And reflecting upon his captivity, this is what he stated. There was one thing that my captors could not deprive me of, and that was my memory. I cannot describe the comfort I received from going over in my mind the Bible verses I had memorized during my childhood. We must always be equipped to glorify God, even if we must rely on our memory instead of the written word. The word of God bears fruit of strengthening you, strengthening you in affliction. Also strengthening you when you're sad and depressed. Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah, who was known as the the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, who wrote an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, because his life was so miserable, and the people of God was so miserable at that time. And he says this, your words were found, his actual word of God, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of, God of hosts, that it strengthens you when you're sad and depressed. You know, countless times in my own life. It has been the word of God that strengthens and renews my spirit in the midst of stress, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of being down. 
It bears fruit by giving you strength even at the end of life and in death. Psalm 73. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, it is, continues to be an encouragement and never ceases to surprise me for people who are at the end of their life, who in late stages of dementia or Alzheimer, people who are in comas, and yet, who when the word of God is recited, start to respond, who start to move their lips or at least have some level of acknowledgement when Psalms such as Psalm 70, 23 are read and they say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's that the Lord meditating on the word of God strengthens us and prepares our hearts for life's trials and prepares it even for death. Also bears the fruit not only of wisdom, preparation, strength, but fourth bears the fruit of discernment and wise decision. Psalmist again writes, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, that God will make you wise, regardless of your education level. And to be clear, lots of knowledge does not equal wisdom. But wisdom is the right application of knowledge, and it is the word of God that brings wisdom and discernment. Again, Psalm 119. How I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. It's an encouragement. Kids, if you want to know more than your parents and grandparents, do so by meditating on the Word of God, for that's where wisdom comes. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet, and your word is a light to my path. It's a calling for us more, more than to simply, in meditating on the word of God, it's a calling for us more than just to know what God says, more than just to know what God thinks. It is more than just to fill your mind with the word of God. It is more than just to know the will of God. Rather, by doing so, you actually know God himself. You actually know him and know him in a deep and real way. And again, whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes his life. You reflect much on God's word. Your life will reflect much of God's word. Fifth one is that the fifth fruit that is born is to have to be prepared to make a defense, as Peter says. Honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. If someone asks you what the Bible says about an issue, can you explain it to them? If someone asks you what it means to have a relationship with God, can you show them from Scripture what the gospel is, how we're broken and sinful, and how Jesus Christ died on the cross, living the life that we could have lived but didn't live, and he rose from the grave to purchase a place in heaven for us so that we could have life abundant and life eternally? Can you show that from Scripture to other people? 
so that other people can be, so that you can have a defense of your faith to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. The encouragement here, and the psalmist urges us, as these many passages of Scripture to do, for an enduring and constant and continual reflection upon the Word of God. Encouragement so that you would be prepared to face every, every situation, however mundane it is or however significant it is, but that you would be prepared to do so in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. For whatever shapes a man's thinking shapes his life. I hope that by going through this, what you hear here, hear me saying, is that you don't feel guilty for not reading your Bible, but rather that you look at these things and to say, God is offering you a way so that you can have a vibrant relationship with him, so that you would be prepared for what comes at you in life, so that you could have joy in the midst of struggles, that you could have strength when you were in the midst of trials and feeling like you were going to break down, that you would have hope when you were completely alone, humanly speaking, that you would have wisdom and discernment for situations that you haven't faced before, that you would be able to offer that hope to other people. All of these things God is saying to you and inviting you to say, come, know my word. Be devoted to my word. Be enriched by my word. May your life be filled with my word so that you would be one who would bear fruit. Far from making you feel guilty, the desire here is that you would make, you, make it would create in you a longing to say, you know what, I want my life to matter. I want my faith to count. I want my faith to be fruitful. And God is saying, here is a simple way for you to do it, is to delight yourselves in the word of God. And so may we do so. May we know the word of God. May we delight ourselves in it. And, may we, and as the psalmist says, may we meditate on his word day and night. Let us pray together. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. Lord God, you are not silent, but you have spoken. And since you have spoken, you have given us your word. Lord, you are not mute. You do not leave us to feeble in the darkness. But you have given us your word to be a light to our path, to guide the next step, to be a source of water, that our roots can get sunk deeply into, so no matter what life faces, that we would bear fruit. And yet, Lord, so many of us, in the busyness of life, in the carelessness of life, we get lazy. And like, an, like a builder trying to build a building without looking at the blueprint. Like a contractor, not ever paying attention to the requirements of the contract. We go through life disregarding your word. But Lord, you have given us your word that we would be fruitful, that our life would be filled with joy, that we would be strengthened, that we would be encouraged, that we would be a blessing to others. And so, Lord, may we be known as people of the word. And Lord, this year, may your word be rooted deeply in our hearts and souls so that it would give great joy for us and give great joy for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.